Welcome to the teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel South London. You can visit us at calvarychapelsouthlondon.org. Good morning everyone, my name's Robert, I'm one of the pastors here at Calvary Chapel South London and could I ask you to turn with me to John chapter 18 and I'm going to begin reading in verse 28. John chapter 18 verse 28 and we've got a substantial portion of text that we're going to read this morning. So here we go, verse 28. Then they led Jesus from Caiaphas to the Praetorium, and it was early morning, but they themselves did not go into the Praetorium, lest they should be defiled, but that they might eat the Passover. Pilate then went out to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? They answered and said to him, If he were not an evildoer, we would not have delivered him up to you. Verse 31. Then Pilate said to them, You take him and judge him according to your law. Therefore the Jews said to him, It is not lawful for us to put anyone to death, that the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled which he spoke, signifying by what death he would die. Then Pilate entered the praetorium again, called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, are you speaking for yourself about this, or did others tell you this concerning me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight, so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Thank you. Pilate Therefore said to him, Are you a king then? Jesus answered, You say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Pilate said to him, What is the truth? And when he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and said to them, I find no fault in him at all. But you have a custom that I should release someone to you at the Passover. Do you therefore want me to release to you the king of the Jews? Then they all cried again, saying, not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. Chapter 19, verse 1. So then Pilate took Jesus and scourged him, and the soldiers twisted a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they put on him a purple robe. Then they said, Hail, King of the Jews! And they struck him with their hands. Pilate then went out again and said to them, Behold, I am bringing him out to you, that you may know that I find no fault in him. And Jesus came out, wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate said to them, Behold the man! Therefore, when the chief priests and the officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him! Crucify him! Pilate said to them, 
You take him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and according to our law, he ought to die, because he made himself the Son of God. Therefore, when Pilate heard that saying, it was, he, was, he was the more afraid, and went again into the praetorium and said to Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. Then Pilate said to him, Are you not speaking to me? Do you not know that I have the power to have you crucified? And I also have the power to release you. Jesus answered, you could have no power at all against me unless it had been given you from above. Therefore, the one who delivered me to you has the greater sin. From then on, Pilate sought to release him. But the Jews cried out saying, if you let this man go, you are, no, no, you are not Caesar's friend. Whoever makes himself a king speaks against Caesar. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he brought Jesus out and sat down in the judgment seat in a place that is called the pavement, but in Hebrew, Gabbatha. Night was the preparation day of the Passover and about the sixth hour. And he said to the Jews, behold, your king. And they cried out, away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, we have no king but Caesar. Then he delivered him to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus and led him away. And he, bearing his cross, went out to a place called the place of the skull, which is called in Hebrew, Golgotha, where they crucified him and two others with him, one on either side and Jesus in the center. Now Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross and the writing was Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Jesus is alive. He was resurrected from the dead. Not now, but 1977 years ago. 1,977 years ago. That sounds better. 1,977 years ago, 33 AD, where he was seen by over 500 witnesses all at the same time. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 says that he was seen by Cephas, who's Peter, then by the 12. After that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once. And the writer goes on to say that these people are still alive. If you don't believe me, go and ask them. The question I'd like to ask this afternoon is, how good was Good Friday? How was Good Friday good? Well, it's good because it's the end of the week. It's good because last Friday was a bank holiday. For most of us, we woke up in a warm home except Mark and Tabitha, because their boiler's broken. Most of us had food to eat. Most of us had family to spend time with. Most of us have our faculties. We can see, hear, smell, taste, and touch, right? For most of us, at least, it was a good, it was a good Friday. It was definitely a good, a good Friday for Lewis... Lateria, he's the director of The Clash of the Titans, you know that new film. 
grossing 26.4 million in the first day. Good day for him, right? Clash of the Titans is a film that I recommend you watch, but with great caution. For me, it's one of the most dangerous films of the decade. Without spoiling it for you, it firmly focuses on the elevation of man and the humiliation of all that is God. The film is really twisted. But I think you need to see it because it will help you to get an appreciation of how the world actually thinks. Now, in many ways, Good Friday, that is AD 33, was also a good day for some others. For Judas, it was a good day to get paid. 30 pieces of silver for betraying his friend. For Pilate, the Roman procurator, it was a good day. Because what could have turned out to be a day of disturbance in the Jewish quarter was averted. Because he gave the Jewish leaders all that they wanted. He gave them all that they demanded. The freedom of a convicted criminal, Barabbas, the text says, who was a robber. He was actually also a murderer. The freedom of Barabbas for the crucifixion of an innocent man, Jesus. Hence, it was a good day for the Jewish leaders, the Sanhedrin, the, the scribes, the Pharisees, the priests. It was also a good day for the devil, who was partially influential with regard to Jesus' execution, right? It was Satan who coaxed Judas into betraying Jesus. Do you remember? John chapter 13 verse 2 says, And supper being ended, the devil having already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot. You've got to be careful sometimes what you discover in your own heart. The devil having already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray Jesus. It's scary when you consider sometimes why it is people do what they do. Verse 27 of John 13 says, And Satan entered into him. And at last the devil got what he had always wanted. An individual that he could use who was happy to submit to him. An individual that would help him to bring about the death of Jesus. It was a good Friday for the devil. Well, as long as it lasted, right? So Good Friday, where did the term come from? The name that may be derived, if you like, from what used to be called God's Friday. God's Friday. In the same way that goodbye is derived from God be with you. That's where we got goodbye from. Well, that's where it's suggested Good Friday comes from. Comes from God's Friday. Or... It could also possibly be good as in pious or holy. So, Holy Friday or Good Friday. In other countries, it's known as Long Friday or Sad Friday. Or if you like, in some other countries, it's called High Friday or Great Friday. Friday. 
With regard to long Friday and sad Friday, how about bad Friday? And come to think of it, it was a bad Friday for the two thieves who were hanging on the cross either side of Jesus for obvious reasons, right? It was also a bad Friday for Pilate's wife. Matthew chapter 27, verse 19 says, while he, that is Pilate, was sitting on the judgment seat having drama, right? It, back and forth and who is this man and why do you want to kill him? And while, he, while he's having the drama, his wife is round the back. And his wife sent to him saying, have nothing to do with this just man, for I have suffered many things today in a bad dream because of him. Pilate's wife's having nightmares. She's having a she ain't having a good day. She's not having a good Friday. She's having a bad Friday. For her, it's a bad day. And even Pilate, who was relieved that there wasn't a riot, right, was forced to act against his better judgment. Pilate said, you take Jesus and judge him, speaking to the Jewish leaders. Twice, he says, I find no fault with him. Verse 12 of chapter 19, it says that Pilate sought to release him, we read. Pilate was having a bad day at the office. Who else? Jesus' disciples. Jesus' disciples. Remember, they had said to Jesus, we won't forsake you. <laughs> Peter says, Lord, furthermore, I will never deny you. I would die for you. But they all deserted him when push come to shove. It was a bad day for the disciples, but it was also a bad day for the Lord Jesus. Which actually started the day before, if you remember. In the Garden of Gethsemane, the night before, at approximately midnight. And he, and he hadn't gone to sleep, remember? Unlike the disciples who were snoring. He stayed awake praying to the Father. Because Jesus knew what time it was. Jesus knew what was going on. Evidently they didn't. And he stayed awake in serious concern for this particular hour. And it was during the early hours of the morning on Friday that the soldiers led by Judas, his friend, quote unquote, came to arrest him. I don't know, maybe, maybe two, maybe three o'clock in the morning. So he's not been to bed. He's been awake the whole day before, midnight, three o'clock, still awake. Now they come to get him. So Jesus had been awake for probably approximately 33 hours. You know, Jesus was a man who used to get up early. Maybe longer than that. He's awake up until this point, up nearly 33 hours prior to being crucified. Let me tell you, you see Jesus, yeah? Don't look, don't watch the paintings. Jesus is, is no wimp. He's far from weak or timid. Jesus is a man's man. And we find him here suffering in, in excruciating fashion. For those of you that have read it. You see, excruciating fashion. That's where we get that word from. Excruciating. Excruciating comes from the word crucifixion. 
So when you want to talk about pain, that's the word to describe real pain, real agony. We know that during the time of his trial, Jesus was pushed also from pillar to post. Did you hear it when we were reading it? Between the chief priests, then Herod, and then Pilate. Back and forth and back and forth. And this is the old city. It is suggested that Jesus walked approximately two and a half miles that night. Just moving in between these particular individuals that were judging him. And beating him at the same time. Two and a half miles that night. Not including what he had done the day before. No sleep, no rest. And as best as we can ascertain from historical accounts, Jesus carried his cross about a third of a mile before he collapsed and wasn't able to go any further. Now you see why he collapsed. He wasn't able to carry the cross anymore. It completely exhausted these are physical exertions that add up and place incredible stress on a person. How many feel stressed? Give a thought for Jesus. Okay, how about hematoidrosis? Hematoidrosis. This is a very rare condition in which a human being sweats blood. It may occur when a person is suffering extreme... Now, some of you are looking at that. You never pronounced that right. Don't watch that. Listen to what I'm saying, yeah? <laughs> it is a very rare condition in which a human being sweats blood. It may occur when a person is suffering extreme levels of stress. For example, facing his or her own death. Several historical references have been described, notably by Leonardo da Vinci... <laughs> Describing a soldier who sweated blood before battle, also men unexpectedly given a death sentence. It's a clinical condition. In hematoidrosis, a person actually ex exudes blood from every sweat gland in their body. Each sweat gland has a small capillary that surrounds it. And in this condition, that small capillary ruptures. As it bursts, a person actually bleeds into their sweat glands. Instead of perspiring sweat, if you will, they actually perspire blood. The Bible gives an excellent description of this phenomenon, saying that the Lord's sweat became as great drops of blood. Jesus suffered. And I many of you know the suffering ain't, it don't even really start yet. At least physically. Jesus suffered even to the point where he asked the father, if you remember, at that point in the garden, Father, take this cup away from me. Now, if you know anything about the, the Lord Jesus and his biography, his life story, there's never ever a moment where Jesus even questions the father. He says, I live to do the father's will. The father's will is my bread, it's my food. It's what nourishes me. Yet at this particular point, it's too much to bear. At least in his own physical strength. Yet the father enables him to the point where in the same breath he says, Father, take this cup away from me yet. Not my will. Your will be done. 
See, that's, that's what we're encouraged to do as believers when we go through difficult times. How I many of you know the church ain't a, a sanctuary that prevents you from going through difficult times? Probably half of us in here are going through drama as believers, but thank God that as, as opposed to before we knew him, we couldn't cope, start taking pills, couldn't cope, start drinking alcohol, couldn't cope, start taking drugs, couldn't cope to the point where you might have even wanted to take your life. But thank God that now when we're in that place, we can identify if you're not a believer and you're here today, and we're in that place, we have someone that we can cry out to who strengthens us, who enables us in the same way he did the Lord Jesus. Jesus suffered, knowing that in a few hours he would be delivered into, the one of the, into one of the most agonizing and brutal deaths ever recorded in history. Yet, he resolved to do the will of the Father and not his own. Next came the scourging. Such a horrible torture so terrible that Roman citizens were exempt from scourging. It was so terrible. It was one of the worst punishments that the Romans inflicted on a human body. Typically, the victim was stripped completely naked. Completely naked. Again, don't watch the pictures. Completely naked and tied by his wrists to a post or a wall with his back exposed. He was then whipped from the back of the top of his arms, down his shoulders, down his back, down to his calves, down to his thighs, down to his calves, right down to his ankles. And this was done by two Roman legionnaires. One on either side, you know, alternating the blows. The historical, account, the historical accounts tell us that the, the traditional scourging consisted of 39 lashes. As the leather straps, which contained jagged bone, how many of you have seen the passion? The passion of the Christ. Jagged bone and razor sharp metal. So. When you got whipped with one of them, it wasn't like a, like a belt. I mean, a belt would be hot enough, right? Belt. But when you get liquid, the belt, the belt bounces off. These, they don't bounce off because of the metal and the bone. They, they, they penetrate the skin. And then the only way to get it out is to rip the cat and nine tails out, lacerating the skin, and would actually dig under the surface of the skin, the skilled and trained legionnaire could whip his wrist and literally lift small slivers of muscle out through the skin, leaving small ribbons of muscle about two inches long hanging through the skin. With one blow, a Roman legionnaire with one blow could inflict a wound that would take 180 stitches to close. One blow. Understandably, certain victims didn't survive the scourging. And because I know some of the kids are in here, I, don't, I didn't want to get too graphic, but you can imagine, sometimes people's internal organs were exposed. 
See, that was just a, that was that was just discouraging. I say just discouraging. Then there was the blindfold beating. Blindfolded and you get beaten. It's one thing when people come at you and you can you can see the blows coming. You can firm it or you can duck. But what happens when you're blindfolded and you can't see them coming? And then the crown of thorns. All this before Jesus is brutally nailed to the cross, which would have been an ordeal in itself. Physical as well as mental and spiritual torture. Friday was not a good day for Jesus. His disciples had deserted him. And God the Father had forsaken him. Furthermore, furthermore, God the Father was now allowing the full force of his wrath and righteous justice to fall fully without mercy upon Jesus. See, like we said two weeks ago, if you have a low view of eternal judgment, you will have a low view of sin. If you have a low view of sin, then you're going to have a low view of eternal judgment. The repercussions of sin are extremely serious and devastating. Hence, the love of God is blatantly expressed in the substitutionary sacrifice of his son in our place. We were the children of wrath who deserved what Jesus got. We were, the Bible says, enemies of God and you see our 21st century culture it has a very unappreciative and flippant attitude towards sin and its consequences which is terrifyingly highlighted by the film that I mentioned earlier the barbaric treatment of Christ on Good Friday is that which we deserved if we're honest we would say amen Yet Christ took it for our sin. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 18 says, Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us, that is his people, to himself through Jesus Christ, and has given us, that is those who have been reconciled, the ministry of reconciliation. Like, Robert, you're now mine. You're no longer an enemy of God. You've been reconciled. Now go encourage others to be reconciled to me. We have the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Not imputing their trespasses to him. It's the goodness of God. And has committed to us now who have been reconciled the word of reconciliation. That now then... We are ambassadors, sorry, excuse me, reconciliating the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us, we implore you, who are not yet reconciled, on Christ's behalf, based on what he did, and what he went through, not for himself, but for me and for you, why not be reconciled to God? 
Be reconciled to God. Why? Verse 21. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him, in Christ, in Jesus. Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says, God commendeth his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. See, it's because, it's because Christ took the wrath of God that we have the possibility of forgiveness. This argues that Christ, by his own sacrificial choice, was punished, was penalized by the, in the place of sinners. There was a substitution, just like Barabbas. We want Barabbas! Kill Jesus! You see this? The innocent exchange for the guilty. I wonder how Barabbas felt when they took them chains off his hands and they set him free and he walked out the prison and looked around and saw Jesus standing there with a crown of thorns on his head after being scourged. I wonder how he felt knowing that he deserved no less than death because he was a criminal. I'm possibly hearing about this man, Jesus. If not from anyone else, if not from the preaching, if not from the disciples, if not from their brethren, you ever hear about Jesus? Yeah, what, what, who is he? Oh, you never heard about? If it weren't no other way, he would have heard it from Pilate. I find no fault with him. See? Divine exchange. How do you feel as you consider and think about what Jesus did on a bad Friday for him? How does it make you feel knowing, as I do, that we're guilty? How does it make us feel? This argues that Christ, by his own sacrificial choice, was punished in the place of sinners, thus satisfying the demands of justice so God can justly forgive the sins of many. Without the shedding of his blood, there would be no forgiveness of sin. It's called propitiation, which means Jesus took the wrath of God and in so doing, turned it away from us. That is for those who believe. Romans chapter 3 verse 26 says, See, it's to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness. That he might be just, because he punishes sin, but also the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Clash of the Titans don't give you a good image of God. It gives you a, a twisted and warped image of God. But the Bible gives us a clear image. My prayer is that you would see that which the Bible communicates in view of or in contradiction, in contrast to all that the world would say. See? This means that as, 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 as bad a day as it was for the Lord Jesus, it was a good day for us. And as bad a, as a day as it was for God the Father, 
it was actually the end of a very dark night. But at the same time, the dawning of a brand new day. This was a very important day, this Friday. Undeniably the most important day of all history. And the Lord Jesus knew this. That's one of the reasons why he was able to embrace it. Not only in the garden was he fully aware of what was happening, but even as he approached the scourging, as he approached the beatings, as he approached the cross, Jesus was able to embrace it. It wasn't even through gritted teeth. All these sinners and look at what they've done and now look at how I'm having to suffer for them. It wasn't even through gritted teeth. He was able to embrace it. You know how? Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. says, we should look unto Jesus. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. He's the one who begins it and he's the one that will complete it. We can't even complete it ourselves. For Check it. Who, for the joy that was set before him, did what? Endured the cross. Despising the shame. I haven't got time to go into that. And I sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. See, Jesus knew ultimately the outcome. That's why he was able to embrace. He knew that he was going to go back to his position at the right hand of the Father as God the Son. The word of God, alive throughout all eternity. He knew he was gonna he was gonna be resumed to his rightful and proper place as Christ Jesus, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You see, when when you're secure in who you are, you don't have to prove nothing to nobody. Imagine Pilate. Do you not know I have the power to have you crucified? Veins all popping out his neck, and Jesus is standing there. You know what? Trust me, fam. You wouldn't have any power apart from that which has been given to you. Now, I say that Jesus was cool. We know that there were certain points where it was probably very difficult for him. Because the scripture said, as he stood before Pilate, he held his peace. You know, sometimes in them situations, I said it before, when you just, you got to hold on tight to your peace. Because if you ever let that go, if Jesus was even to let that go on Pilot, like a, the brother would. Just. For the. Jesus was able to deal with it as he considered, you know what, there's a purpose in this. I can stand before you like a trumped up, full of himself, temporary. King of the Roman Empire, I can stand before you and hold it down because of the joy that's set before me, knowing what this is going to accomplish. Who knows if we might even end up seeing Pilate in heaven? Who knows? See, because Jesus was looking to the future with regard to those who he knew his sacrifice was going to rescue. And we should be encouraged by that. And just in case we become weary, just in case you become discouraged in your soul, look at what the next verse says in Hebrews 12. 
verse 3, it says, For consider him when you're in those situations. Consider him who endured such hostility from sinners. Like I said, Jesus could have just crushed him like nothing. Exterminated him. He endured such hostilities from sinners against himself. Consider that. You know, very often we're like, somebody cut us up in the road, we want to jump out our car. I saw it the other day. I, I mean, I saw it. I was just about to say I couldn't believe it. I can believe it. Because I've felt like doing that myself. I probably have in the past at some point done that. And my wife has had to hold me back. Or embarrassingly, my son has had to hold me back. Jump out the car. When I ask, Virgin, who do you think you are that might, you're cutting me up? Back up all of the traffic, you know. Horns beeping and white because of, of pride. You know what I'm saying? And if anyone had the right to say, wait a minute, pilot, one minute, pilot. Have, do you have any idea really who I am? He didn't even feel the need to say that. Jesus, he's just heavy. He's heavy. See? Consider him. Because we ain't God. But we want to ask people who do they think they are. Don't you know who I am? Consider him. And particularly lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. See, this is not a prideful time. This is when you just can't deal with it no more. I've had, Lord, I can't, do, I can't do this no more. And you get discouraged. He says, verse 4, Really and truly, you have not resisted. Come on now. I know it's tough, but come on now. You can go another, you can go another lap. You can go another day. You know what I mean? You just might need a brother or sister to come alongside you, put their arm around you and pray for you. You know what I mean? And you wipe your tears away and you think, okay. In view of what Jesus done, considering him, you know what, I'm not bleeding. I'm not about to lose my, I'm not like I'm, I'm on death row like Robert, you're about to die. It's not that bad. And I'm not trying to minimize your difficulty, but you hear, you hear my heart, right? We've not, we're not at that place. As we said two weeks ago, see, what was holding Jesus? So many things was holding him. Two weeks ago, we talked about resurrection from the dead. Jesus' hope was the same as ours. That's why we can be encouraged like him, because what's the hope? The hope is that, you know, you can do whatever you like to me. Jesus himself said to his disciples, he says, you know what? Don't worry about them that can destroy the body. You'd be like, Lord, <laughs> having your body destroyed ain't, ain't, ain't a minor. But Jesus like, don't worry about those who can destroy your body. Tell you what you need to worry about. Worry about him who can cast not just your body, but your soul in an eternal hell separated from God. That's what you need to worry about. And see, Jesus' hope was the fact that, you know what, you can do what you want to my body. It's all good because I got an ace up my sleeve. He's got an ace. Check it, right? Jesus, right, his hope partially was the resurrection. Why? Psalm 16. Speaking of God the Father in relation to Jesus, says, verse 10, for you, you will not leave my soul in hell. 
father. She-hole is another word for hell. Right, check it out. Nor will you allow your holy one to see corruption. There's two things happening there. First, it's talking about the spiritual aspect of Jesus. Because his soul went to Sheol, went to hell. We ain't got time to go into that. We, we, we've covered that already. But notice, Jesus' soul wasn't the only part to his complete being. He had a body. And the next part of the verse says, that part of him would not be allowed to see corruption. Now, how does that give Jesus hope? That's basically saying, you know what? Father, even if they kill my body and put my body in the ground, my body's not even going to see corruption. That means, God, you will not allow my body to decompose in the grave. Heavy. That's prophecy. That's Psalm 16, written hundreds of years before this. See? And Jesus' body didn't decompose. Why? Because death wasn't able to hold him. Acts chapter 2. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved, says Peter. Men of Israel, hear these words. And Peter should know. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did through him in your midst. Your eyewitnesses, as you yourselves know, it's not even um, debatable, moving on. Him, that same one, being delivered, check it, by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God. The, the Check it. The scribes and the Pharisees. Pilate, the Roman em Empire. The devil himself. They were like, ah, we got him. Ah. <laughs> Listen, God had, God had already purposed this. You think about your own life. You're a believer in Christ. That means you belong to God, right? Do you know you don't really have to worry as much as you do about your life? Because in the same way that God had Jesus, and Jesus was just cool with it, not flustered, not feeling like he needed to, do you know we can have that same confidence because we're children of God? Knowing that God has got He's got a purpose for our lives. All we need to worry about is that we're obeying him. Now, if you ain't obeying him now, that's another matter. You've you got enough to worry about. You've got, you got stuff you need to repent of and get back in between the tracks. Get back on the, on the right track. You get me? But if you're walking with the Lord in obedience and stuff comes into your life, you don't have to get worried or disturbed or distressed. You can be like, hey, Father, I'm your son. Father, I'm your daughter. There ain't nothing that you're going to allow to touch me unless it's your will. So standard, I don't even have to fret. I can go on my bed and lie down and sleep sweet. Regardless of what is going on in my life. Now, now either that's Bible I'm a, or I'm a liar. See, Jesus is our example and he's heavy because he says, don't worry about them who destroy the body. And then you know what? He's the exemplar. He becomes the example and he says, fellas, look, exactly what I said to you, I'm going through right now myself. Jesus don't ask you to do nothing that you don't do himself. Acts 2, where was I? Verse 23. All right. Him, Jesus, being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God. You! Have taken. Now, this is heavy. 
You have taken by lawless hands. You have crucified. Now that ain't that heavy. God purposed it, but they did it. How? By their own choice. It's not even that God, like a puppet, was pulling their strings or made them do it. They chose to do it. Now that's scary. You, by your lawless hands, have crucified and put him to death. Verse 24, it's all right though. Whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death. Why? Because it was not possible that he should be held by it. Wow. I remember, without going off on a tangent, remember, we will all die. And we will all be resurrected. Those to everlasting life and those to everlasting destruction. For those of us who believe, Friday was a good day. But for those that don't believe, not only is Friday not a good day, neither is today. That is Easter Sunday or Resurrection Sunday. Because of what happened today, if, if you're a believer, you will see Friday differently. See, and not only that, we have hope for tomorrow. See, when the Lord Jesus gave up his spirit and died, Joseph of Arimathea took Jesus' body, wrapped it in a clean linen shroud, and placed it in his own tomb that had been carved in a rock in a garden near the site of the crucifixion. Nicodemus also brought 75 pounds of spices and placed them in the linen with the body in keeping with Jewish burial customs. They rolled back a large rock over the entrance of the tomb. Then they returned home and rested because the Sabbath had begun at sunset. Then, on the third day, Jesus rose from the dead. See, I can, but I don't need to shout it because it won't, it won't make it any more true. But I will repeat it. Jesus rose from the dead. All because of the cross. And you know, I don't need to buff it. I don't need to shine it or polish it. It is beautiful, rugged. That is the cross. Friday was a good day. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for just your incredible plan. Your plan of salvation. Scripture says, how can we, how can we expect to escape if we reject such a great rescue package? You've done everything that, that we need without us having to do anything. Furthermore, all that we've done is contribute to making this more difficult for you and particularly difficult for Christ Jesus who suffered two days ago, 1,977 years ago. 
And Father, we thank you for that day because it was a good Friday. And some of us appreciate that, have been appreciating that for a few years, Lord, but maybe there's some here that have never really thought about it. Friday come and gone just like any other day, just like any other Friday. The only thing that was appreciated was the fact that it was a back, the fact that it was a bank holiday and don't have to go work. Lord, I pray that you'd speak to someone today about taking a little bit more time to consider, even today, what Jesus did on Friday in exchange for their guilt provides them with an offer of forgiveness. Father, I pray because it's only by your spirit that you're able to open blind eyes and illuminate hearts. Yet you choose to do that through the preaching of your word by the power of your spirit. Lord, brood over us this afternoon, I pray. And, and even this evening, Father, as we continue to celebrate what Jesus did for us. Thank you, Father, for the resurrection of Christ because it brings us hope. In Jesus' name, amen.